All right. Good morning. Hey, before we get started this morning, a couple quick things. One is if you are a uh, parent of a middle school or high school student, um, every uh, Sunday our, our students begin in here in the first part of our service, and then uh, that's who kind of just all walked out. So don't take that cue from them. But um, if you're a middle school or high schooler um, here and you're interested to find out more about what happens on Sunday morning, um, our middle school and high school students meet back there, and then they head down um, and they have a discussion revolving around the same topics we're going to talk about here today, um, but just doing a little different format. And so um, I want to encourage you to, to you can head down there right now, um, or people in the back will show you where to go. Or next week when they all leave, man, feel free to follow along and, uh, and be a part of that. Uh, a couple other things. One is this. Take out your message notes if you got a copy of those. Uh, I want to give you guys some very practical things today that I think um, will be great for you to write down and kind of stick in your Bible, uh, keep with you for a while. But as you do that, I, I want you to write down this. Write down riverclub.com. Or sorry, riverclubchurch.com. I'm messing it up. It's a bad day. Riverclubchurch.com. Okay? So riverclubchurch.com is our new website. Now, riverclubchurch.com is the place I want to send you to. The worship guide says .org. That's not the official one, but if you type in org, it's going to get you there. Okay? But right now, if you go to our old website at fairviewatriverclub.org, that's not going to take you anywhere else. So scratch that from all your memory and all those kind of things on your computer. And from now on, go to riverclubchurch.com and you're going to get all of our new uh, contact information there for our staff, um, all the updates for the Daring Faith campaign. All those things are going to be there. So uh, make sure that you uh, write that down and uh, start heading there to find out more about What's going on here? Uh, last thing, uh, actually second to last thing, um, the second to last thing is this, is um, I know there's a game today um, at one o'clock uh, between a couple teams that some of us favor, okay? Um, and I also know that there's a host training for Daring Faith at 12.45 to two o'clock, right? Now, here's the good thing. There's two ways you can still be a part of hosting a group and attending the training, even though you want to go to the game today and see the game today. First is this, it's called DVR, okay? That's what I'm going to be doing, um, which means that at our host training, there will be no talk of football whatsoever, no updates, no, you know, that kind of stuff, because I'm going to watch the game whenever I get home. But the other thing is this, is maybe you're kind of like, you know what, I was going to host a group, but I feel God leading me to go home and watch the game, so I can't come to the training, right? Listen, there's the same training on Wednesday night. And there's no football on Wednesday night, right? So you can also be a part of that, okay? Last thing before we jump into really what's most important, and this is kind of important too, but uh, listen, at River Club Church, we, um, our, our desire is to be a place where all people can experience life in Jesus. And, and we, we say that in a way because we recognize this, that, that we all need Jesus, that we are all um, broken and perfect people. And this is our church. We're a church full of broken and perfect people. And you're led by a pastor who's also broken and imperfect. And we're on that journey together. And sometimes as we gather together as imperfect people, um, we, we may do some things that may kind of rub each other the wrong way. And so if you were here last week, I made a joke as part of the message about the FBI spying on you. And I don't really care to spy along because I don't really care about what's all going on and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and some people laughed at that. Wasn't that funny of a joke, but you were kind. But some people laughed. Um, but others 
that, that rubbed you the wrong way. Um, and and I, I understand that and I hear that. So if that joke kind of came across as I was callous, I don't care about you. I don't care about your life, your troubles, your, your hardships. That's not the intent of that joke at all. And it's not who I am. Um, and so if, if that's how you took that or actually how you could have taken that because of what I said, I want to apologize to you um, because that's not the intent of that. And if that in any way made you feel like your um, imperfections are not welcome here, um, that's completely not what was intended by that. So I just wanted to share that with you today as a pastor and say, hey, listen, I'm going to, you know, tell some jokes that are funny, tell some jokes that aren't. And occasionally I might say some things that um, I don't mean the way they come out. And so um, that's one. And when I do, I want to apologize. So let me apologize to you about that. And then uh, we'll kind of jump back in. So let's pray and we'll uh, move into our, uh, our message for today. Father God, we come to you again in this moment, God, believing that you want to speak to us, believing that you want to reveal more of your love for us today, more of who you are, God, more of what you desire for us. And so God, would you open our hearts and our minds to hear from you? And would you give us the courage, God, to respond as you lead us today? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we are in a series called Noise, and we're looking at how do we turn down the noise in our life so we don't miss out on hearing what may be most important and really is most important. And we began last week talking about what is noise? Well, noise is this. Noise is an unwanted sound that's loud, unpleasant, and it interferes with hearing. So noise is really something that we, we don't like. It's something that's not really something we've looked for. So noise can be that, that, that loud table at the restaurant who is kind of getting in the way of you being able to, to communicate and talk with the people at your table. Or it could be, you know, that, that couple or those, those kids or whoever in the movie theater, right, who are talking so loud. Or, or maybe it's like, you know, you're, you're at home watching a football game today at one o'clock and, and your family doesn't understand that that's daddy time. And like, they're not supposed to run through, right? And and be loud because you're trying to focus on the game. Like noise comes in many shapes and many forms, but noise can keep us, if we're not careful, from really hearing what's most important, what we are desiring. And, and not just like the, the verbal noise, the audio noise, but we talked about that life itself can be kind of noisy. And sometimes in our lives, we can become so surrounded by noise and surrounded by these different things that it makes it hard to really hear what God is saying to us. And we talked last week that God is speaking to us, that God longs for us to hear his voice. And we talked about how God does speak to us. And we said, listen, the reason we need to turn down the noise in our life is this. It's because sometimes the loudest voice that we need to hear is actually a whisper. That the reason we want to talk about this is that sometimes the loudest voice that we need to hear is a whisper. And we looked at the story of Elijah and how God came to him, not in a loud, spectacular way, but he came to him in a whisper and he had something very significant for him to say. And, and he had something significant to say and he had something that he wanted him to hear. And so sometimes in our life, God does speak in loud, spectacular ways, but other times God speaks to us in a whisper. And so why we need to turn that down is because we need to be able to hear his whisper. Well, today what we want to do this week and next week is we want to talk about, well, how do we turn down the noise in our life? So how do we turn down the noise in our life? And there's two things that I think we need to learn how to turn down. The first one we're going to talk about today is this, is that we need to learn how to turn down the noise of distraction. Is that we need to learn how to turn down the distraction in our life that can keep us from really hearing the most important thing. And next we're going to talk about disobedience. 
And we're going to talk about how disobedience really creates noise in our life that makes it harder for us to hear the voice of God. But today I want to talk to you about distraction. And, and, and my kids are constantly teaching me about life and about faith and about different things. If you're new, we have three kids. We have um, a freshman in high school, we have a sixth grader, and we have an almost two-year-old. And they all teach me different things at different times. Well, one of the things my two-year-old is teaching me, she's teaching me the idea of what it means to truly be focused and engaged. Because she has this thing now where when she wants to come and talk to you, um, it doesn't matter what you're doing, that she walks up and she says, Daddy, look at me, look at me. Or she'll grab my hand or grab my, uh, my shirt and say, Daddy, look at me. Mommy, look at me. Sissy, look at me. You know? and, and, and what she doesn't understand yet is, is that as a man, I can multitask, right? Like I, I can look this way, be watching something on TV. I can even be changing the channel. I can be working on something. And I can hear what you're saying over here, right? But she's young. She doesn't understand that yet. So to her, she's like, if you're not looking at me, sorry, if you're not looking at me, right? You're not listening to me. And she wants my undivided attention because to her, what she has to say is the most important thing at that moment. And and the reality is this, is that we can multitask a little bit, but the fact of the matter is, is that oftentimes when we're not focused on what's being said and who's doing the talking, it's easy to allow that distraction to get in the way of us really hearing what they're saying. And we want to talk today about how distraction can do that. And and I want to share with you a passage, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. If you have a Bible, you want to turn there, uh, do that. The verses are also going to be on your note sheet on the screen as well. But it's a story of Jesus and two sisters, two sisters named Mary and Martha. And we want to look at just the reality of, of what can distract us and how that distraction can actually keep us from doing what's most important. So let's read this together. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Jesus and his disciples are traveling around in their public ministry, and they would oftentimes, all the time, they would have to rely on the hospitality of their friends and people they knew to take care of them because they didn't have a place to stay. And so Mary and Martha are the sisters of a man named Lazarus, who Jesus would actually raise from the grave later on in in the Gospels and later on in his ministry. And so he shows up there, and you have two reactions. You have Martha, who is busy doing all the stuff, doing all the work. So she's probably getting the food together. She's probably making sure the, the, the guest rooms are clean and have clean linens on them. You know, she's probably, you know, she's sweeping up. She's, you know, Jesus is there. So she's probably going above and beyond what she would do for somebody else because she's, she's busy working. And, and Mary, on the other hand, Mary is not doing any of the work, but Mary's sitting in the room with Jesus and the other people and listening to what Jesus has to say. And so automatically, 
the Marys and the Marthas in this room, both men and women, are taking sides in the story, right? All of us Marthas are saying, well, I can't believe Mary would just sit there when all this work needs to be done, right? And all the Marys in the room are going, Martha, you just need to calm down. You're too OCD and like, you you know, you need to relax, you know? Well, so Martha though comes to Jesus and says, basically, Jesus, tell Mary to get up and help me out. Like, I'm doing all the work. I'm stressed out. I'm doing all this. She's just sitting over there, which is funny that she goes to Jesus for this, right? You want to talk about the ultimate trump card? This isn't like, I'm going to tell dad. This is like, I'm telling God. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, she goes to him and she's like, you know, tell her to get up and help me out. And, and Jesus looks over at Martha and it's kind of like, Martha, Martha, listen, you're worried about all this stuff. He's basically saying, listen, just relax a little bit. Take a deep breath, right? And he says, listen, you're so stressed out over all this stuff that needs to be done. But really, it doesn't all have to be done. In fact, there's really only one thing that you need to be doing right now. And Mary's actually chosen the better way. Now, Jesus doesn't say that what Martha was doing was wrong. But he said that it wasn't the best thing to be doing at that time. You see, Mary wasn't just sitting and and, and avoiding work. She was sitting at the the feet of Jesus. And in their culture at that time, women were not allowed to learn. They were not allowed to sit under teaching of rabbis like Jesus. And so the fact that Jesus was there and that Mary was having an opportunity to, to sit under his teaching and engage with him, that was something that didn't happen every day for them in their culture. And Jesus says, Martha, listen, there's, there's all this stuff you feel like is so pressing and keeping you busy. And while it's good, it's, it's not the best thing. And, and what we see in that story really, really is this, and write this down, that, that busyness can distract us from doing what's best. That, that busyness can distract us from doing what matters most, what's most important. What Martha was doing wasn't wrong things, but it wasn't what was most important at that time. And see, her busyness was distracting her. Look at verse 40 again. It says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Well, what was she distracted from? She was distracted from listening to Jesus. And her distraction, her busyness it distracted her from what matters most. And, and I think one of the biggest things that distracts us from hearing the voice of God and doing the things that are most important according to what God would say is this idea of busyness. And so today what I wanna to talk to you about is this, is I wanna talk about how do we turn down that noise of busyness? How do we battle a busy life? Because here's the tension we're gonna live in, right? We're gonna live in a tension where there's one side of the equation, which is laziness. There's the other side of the equation, which is busyness. And then there's a tension point in the between where that's needed to be, we need to find that to live. Because the Bible does not say be lazy, but the Bible also says do not just simply be busy. But there's a way of balancing those two, both doing things and resting, choosing what is best, not just what could be done, that I think helps us understand and listen to the voice of God more and more in our life. And so I'm coming to you today not as an expert. I'm on the journey with you. Like when I say like, you know, we all struggle with different things, I'm struggling along here with you, but these are four things that God's challenging me with. And I think he's challenging all of us. And, and hopefully you'll identify with me on this a little bit. But 
how can we turn down the noise of busyness? How can we battle a busy life? So write this down. First one is this, is that we need to plan our priorities. Is that we've got to, we've got to start with planning our priorities, right? Not everything in life is as important as everything else. And we have to determine what are the priorities? What are those things that are most important in our life? What are those things that we want to be known for? What are those things that we want to invest our time in? What are those things that we want to invest our energy in? What are those things that are most important in our life? And we have to decide what those things are. And then we have to plan for those priorities, right? Well, so how do we know what's most important? Where do we begin, right? Well, Jesus said this, look at Matthew 6, 33 through 34. He said, seek the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So Jesus said, what's most important is to put the things of God as the priorities in our life. So what God considered most important, his kingdom, our righteousness, our living for for him, our, you know, growing in our faith, like all these different things that the Bible says are most important. These are the things then that we should have as most important. And Jesus says, plan for the kingdom first and everything else will find its right place. Well, what are all those other things that he talked about in that passage? Well, if you go a little further in that passage, it was all the necessities of life. It was food. It was clothing. It was all these provision, all these things that we can stress out about, all these things that we can make as a priority in our life don't necessarily have to be the same priority for us as they are for others. And we've got to determine that. And see, what's interesting is this, is that Paul says in Romans 12, 1 through 2, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul says, listen, when you're determining your priorities, you're determining how you live, you've got to recognize this and you've got to look at it, that, that somebody else's priorities, they might not be your priorities, and they might not need to be your priorities. That, in fact, you know, that, write, write this down, that we need to make sure that, that we don't always make the standards of some the success that we strive for. Is that we need to make sure that we don't make the standards of some other people the success that we strive for. Because somebody else's priorities and what they determine to be most important might not need to be what we consider to be most important. That the things in our life that we want to have as, as priority, they, they might not be the things that God would, 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 would have, or somebody else has. They might not be the things that God would have as priorities for us. And so we need to make sure that as we're determining our priorities, we're finding what is most important from a source who really has understanding in what's most important. So don't always make the standards of other people, right, the success that we strive for. That we've got to determine what are the priorities and we've got to plan for those. But here's the second thing. One of the most important things that God says about us in terms of our priorities is that we need to grow spiritually. He wants us to invest in our relationship. He wants us to mature in our faith. And so one thing we need to do is not just plan for our priorities, but we need to learn to schedule our spiritual growth. Is that we've got to schedule our spiritual growth. That we've got to take time to actually put into our life time to grow in our faith. Now, that seems very, very unspiritual to some people, right? It seems very, very like un, impersonal. It's like, you know, okay, if it's a relationship with God, well, you know, why am I scheduling time with God? Because if we don't schedule time with God, what's going to happen is this, is that that time with God will be eaten up by other things. 
And so what might that look like? Well, I think there's four things that we need to make sure we're scheduling time for. The first one is this, is that we need to schedule time to devote daily, to devote daily, that we need to take time in our life every single day that is devoted toward God and knowing God more. That we spend time reading God's word. We spend time praying to God, thinking about what God has for us, and then living our lives based upon what he's saying and how he's sharing with us. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 4.4. 4. He says, it's written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, listen, that we don't just need physical food to survive. We need spiritual food. And, and, and the bread of life that we need is God's word that we need scripture, God's word ingested into our life, consumed in our life on a regular basis so that we can live for him. We can know him. We can grow in him. And we spend time talking with him in prayer that we read and we think about it. We pray about it. Then we go out and live it. And we need those times. That's why we give you daily readings in, in the worship guide and on the website and in the e-newsletter. It's just a guide if you don't have one to say, take some time and, and read these throughout the week because they're gonna connect with what God's teaching us on Sunday, right? Psalm 5.3 says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. So what, what the psalmist is saying is, listen, that there's a set time in his schedule and that's the morning for him where that's the time where he's gonna invest in God. So we need to devote daily. Second thing is this, is that we need to worship weekly. We need to worship weekly. Now we should worship God every day of our life in every way we can. But the Bible tells us that we need to take one day out of the week and we need to separate that as what the Bible calls a Sabbath. And a Sabbath is a day of rest. It's a day of preparation. It's a day of rejuvenation, of, of, of relationship. It's a day that we just do life differently with the focus being on what God would consider most important. And it was commanded by God that, that we do this, that we have this time. Look at Exodus 28. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor male or female servant, nor your animals, nor foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. So God says, listen, that there's one day a week that you just need to stop doing your normal thing and just do that day a little differently. And for many people, that's what we do on Sunday. That's what you do on Sunday. It's a day where you go to church. Because listen, Sabbath does not mean idleness. It doesn't mean you just gotta sit down and not do anything. What it means is that you do the things that recharge your soul, that recharges your faith. You get, you know, many come to church and they serve at church, but that, that kind of, you know, boosts them up. Some do small group on Sunday. It, it recharges them. Like it's not a day of just sitting back and not doing anything. It's a day where we do things differently and to focus on God. And it's one of those things that I think is constantly evolving where we as individuals and as families have to say, okay, how do we set aside time in the week to really do life differently and practice the idea of Sabbath. We need to worship weekly. Third thing is this, is that we need to connect consistently. See, we've been created for a relationship with God, but also a relationship with other people. 
And we're not going to grow as strong in our faith uh, by ourselves as we will when we're willing to do life in spiritual community with other people. Look at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Is that we need to be a part of, of doing life with other believers. We need to be in spiritual community with others. These daring faith groups we keep talking about, right? This is one great opportunity for you to say, listen, I'll commit to this for seven weeks and I'll see what God does. For seven weeks, I'll, I'll schedule time in my busy week for an hour, hour and a half. If you're a chatty group and you like to eat maybe two hours and you say, hey, listen, we're gonna spend this time growing in our faith together, but also connecting with one another because we need those people in our life. And so we need to connect consistently. And the last thing is we need to serve strategically. See, many times we view serving as work. And it is. That when we serve other people, we're pouring out of who we are for the benefit of others. But it's a different kind of work when you're serving in the right way. See, 1 Peter 4.10 says this, that God has given each of us a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. That God has given us spiritual gifts. He's created us to serve. He's made us to make a difference, right? And when we are serving in the way God's created us, we're serving in the way God is calling us, right? Then what we see is that God is allowing us, right? He's allowing us to use the gifts he's given us to make a difference in the lives of other people. And when we do that, listen, it is work. We do have to give ourselves for others. There is some sacrifice involved. But some of the most satisfying, most fulfilling days in my life have been when I spent my time during that day pouring myself out for other people. Was I tired? Absolutely. Did I need a nap? Yeah. But you know what, man? I saw God use me. And there's something about that that charges your life. There's something about that that just draws you closer to God. So we need to schedule time for our spiritual growth. We need to devote daily. We need to worship weekly. We need to connect strategically. We need to serve, uh, or we connect consistently and serve strategically. We need to find that place where, where God's called us to serve. And it might not be the place you're serving in currently, but God has made you and he's given you certain gifts to be used how he is, he, he's made you. And so listen, if you're teaching and your gift is not teaching, then maybe you don't need to teach anymore. But don't just quit. Find the right place for you. And in making that difference, you're going to grow in your faith in God. So we need to plan our priorities, right? We need to schedule our spiritual growth. But here's the third thing. If we want to turn down the noise of distraction and busyness, uh, we might need to detach from our devices, we might need to detach from our devices. I read a study from the Nielsen Company that said this. It was a 2015 study that adults in the United States devote about 10 hours and 39 minutes each day to consuming media. Uh, to consuming media. What that included was how much time they spend on their tablets, smartphones, personal computers, multimedia devices, video games, radios, DVDs, DVRs, TVs, basically anything with a screen, Right? So they found the average adult in America spends 10 hours and 39 minutes 
every single day doing this in some form or fashion. Another study found this, that the average uh, um, adult, the average American, right? They spend more time on a screen looking at what is happening there than they do sleeping on a daily basis. That the average, you know, time people spend sleeping is actually decreased. And how they spend that time now is they spend more time on their devices. And could it be that one of the things that keeps us busy, one of the things that keeps us distracted is, is that we're constantly living life in a screen. Now listen, I am not a gadget hater, right? I am not, I don't despise devices. Like, listen, I mean, right here, right now, I've got an iPad, I've got my phone, like, like, you know, I mean, I've redeemed them for God's purposes, but like, they're here, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, but... I tell you what, like when I go home, like I don't, it's not just my message on here, right? It's not just my, my timer, which I do have a timer on here. You guys are like, well, you might listen to it, but you know, like, I mean, I have that stuff, right? But like, I mean, I have these things, but the reality is this, is that man, so often, right? So often we, we spend our life in, in, in our devices and we're constantly, you know, busy and distracted with other things. And we've all been there, you know? We're, we're at dinner with somebody and their, their phone keeps bing, bing. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to have a conversation or they're, they're, they're polite and put it on vibrate. So it just goes, you know, and you're kind of like, you know, they're looking down every time. And finally you're like, do you need to get that? Go ahead. You know? And then as, they, as soon as they get it, what do you do? Might as well check mine too. Right. You know? Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Well, you know, we read this verse a while ago, Psalm 4610. God says, listen, be still and know that I'm God. I think sometimes we're still like, you know, we're sitting down, we're reclining, we're laying in bed, but we're not really still because we're scrolling or we're swiping or we're texting or typing or whatever we're doing. But you see, we're constantly engaged in, in these things. Hebrews 12, one through two says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer perfecter of our faith. Listen, I think sometimes, right, I'm more likely to fix my eyes on Facebook than I am Jesus. That I'm more likely to fix my eyes. It's hard to fix my eyes on Jesus, right? When I'm constantly checking out my newsfeed. You know, the Bible talks about this too in Ephesians 5, 11 through 16. Paul says, listen, don't waste your time on useless work. Mere busy work. And he goes on to talk about just the things that we do that don't have significance and, and meaning. And so many times those things are done in, in private. And so he talks about the sinful side of that, but then also just this idea that, that we don't make the most of, of the opportunities that we have to invest in what matters more. And part of that is, I think that we spend a lot of our time on our devices. Now, now here's the thing. I'm guilty. Like, I'm the first person to tell you this. Like, this is convicting to me. But the challenge for me, and I think the challenge for us is this, is that so often we don't have time to read the Bible. 
We don't have time to volunteer on a Sunday. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to be part of a small group. Like we don't have time to do certain things, but yet we have almost 11 hours a day worth of time to spend looking at our screens. So is it really that we don't have time or are we not planning our priorities? I think it's probably the latter. But what would that look like if we just shut things down occasionally, right? And we invested in things that were maybe more significant. You know, what it, would one hour make a difference? Yeah, I don't know. But I think we need to learn the value and the potential of what could happen if we would detach from our devices. And here's the last one. And they kind of go hand in hand. I think the last way we can turn down some of the noise of busyness is that we need to learn to withdraw from our work. We need to learn to withdraw from our work. You see, back in the day, and some still have this, uh, this type of schedule, but you would go to work and there would be a, a bell or a horn or, or something would, would, go, would go off and it would be, okay, now it's time to work. And you would work the set number of hours and then that same bell or that horn or that alarm would go off and then you were done with work and you went home and had your home time, right? Or, or there used to be like you would go to your office and you would go to office and when you were at your office, that was when you were at work. But then once you left the office, you would actually go home and you were no longer at work. Well, because of technology now, we have the office everywhere we go, right? Because of our laptops, our smartphones, we have our contact lists, our client lists, right? We have all of our files, we have our servers, but basically we can work from anywhere. We can work at our house, we can work out at the ball field, we can work at Starbucks, we can work in our Ollie. Like we can always be at work. But the danger of that is, is that we're always at work. And so when do we ever withdraw from work? When are we ever not at work? When are we not working? Now, and I know the pushback is everybody's situation is different. And you're like, okay, that would be great if I did this, but I don't, I do this. And when I do this, it means that I don't have time off. I'm not allowed to do that, right? But so often I think we view things like this and we say, okay, well, here's where I am. And I know I don't like it. I know it's not healthy. I know it's not the best. And, and here's where I probably should be. But we say, okay, because it's not possible for me to get to here, I'm just going to stay over here. And we forget that if we got to here, that's better than here, right? That if we could just take a couple of steps, we're a lot closer to where we maybe want to be than where we are. And listen, there's every excuse in the book. I understand that. But here's the reality. Look at Mark 6.31 says, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So was Jesus a hard worker? Absolutely. Did Jesus understand that he had a, an important job? It was the most important job, the savior of the world. Did Jesus have people who constantly wanted his attention? Did he constantly have people that, that, that wanted him to do something for him? Absolutely. And in fact, listen, Jesus worked so hard, it said, that they barely had time to eat. 
I think as followers of Jesus, we should be some of the hardest working people, if not the hardest working people at our workplaces. Like we should be reliable. We should be dependable. We should be honest. We should be hardworking. Like we should, we should never have our boss sit there and say, you know what? I wish you were a better employee and give them any kind of justification. Like we should give everything we have because the Bible says, whatever you do, do it as to the Lord. And Jesus worked extremely hard. But Jesus also said, there's a time where I can't work anymore. And it says that he said, listen, we're going to go away because we, we need a break. We've got to withdraw from work because we can't keep up this pace any longer. Now, here's the thing. We're, and we're all feeling this, right? Well, okay, that's good for Jesus. Who's going to argue with him, right? If he doesn't respond to the email, he's going to be like, you know, I'm Jesus. I don't have to, you know? And you're like, well, I have to, right? But if you think that was okay with people, you're wrong. Because there's story after story of Jesus and his disciples trying to get away, trying to create some space to withdraw from work. And guess what happened? The people just found out where he was and they followed him there. There's one story where they get into the, to some boats in the lake and they go all the way across the lake. There's no more boats available. So they're thinking, okay, I can withdraw from the work. Guess what the people did? They walked around the lake to go find and meet with Jesus. Listen, there's always gonna be one more thing to do. There's always gonna be one more good project. There's always gonna be one more deadline. There's always gonna be something else. But even Jesus, who had the most important job, said, you know what, I've gotta find some time to withdraw from work. I've got to find some time to get away. Well, what does that look like for us? Here, here's a couple of things. I, I wrote these down. The first one is this. Don't check email after a certain time. Don't check email after a certain time. And once again, some of you are kind of like, okay, here's my reality. I, I get that. But I, I don't have that option. Like I can't just turn my email off because if my boss sends me a text, he expects or she expects there to be a reply. Okay, well, is there any time you can be away from your phone? Is there any time you can turn that email off? Is there any time you don't have to be working? And let me just say this. If you are a boss, you are a business owner, you are a supervisor, the reason why people can't rest is because you're not resting. They wouldn't be worried about an email at 1130 if you weren't sending them an email at 1130. See, we, we as leaders and supervisors, we set the tone for our workplaces. And so part of that is if you can control it, you need to control it. But if you can't, how could you make a step? How could you take a step? Here's another one. Turn your phone off or on vibrate when you're at home. Because every time you get that notification, every time you get that, that bing from that new voicemail, that new email, you immediately leave whatever you're doing and your mind goes back to the task at hand. So can you turn those off for a little bit of time? When you go home, can you really go home? And listen, it might be this, because we're talking about steps, not perfection, right? It might be that, listen, you have a job where you can't leave at five, six, or seven and, and really get your stuff done. But you can get home at seven and your family is, you know, your kids are there. And so they go to bed about 8.30 or nine. Can you, for that hour and a half, two hours, be at home? Then if you got to pick it back up, then pick it back up. But for that time, would you and your family benefit by being off. We need to make sure that you prioritize. We prioritize what's most important and we don't miss out on what you can't make up later. Here's the thing I've realized after, I don't know, 15 years of being a pastor is it never ends. 
there's always one more message to write. There's always one more email to return. There's always one more phone call to respond to. There's always one more Facebook message that, that I need to get back to somebody about. There's always one more person to visit. There's always one more crisis that's gonna happen. Listen, there's always gonna be one more. But there are certain things in my life that there's not gonna be one more of. And when I take the things that there will be one more of and I replace them with the things that I can never get back, I'm not sure for me that that's a great trade. You know, my kids are only gonna be this age and that award ceremony is only gonna come this one time. That championship game's only gonna be there one time. Like all these things, I can't make those up. But there's always gonna be another thing wanting to take me away. So we need to learn if we can as best as possible to withdraw from our work. And, and here's the biggest thing that I think is a part of that. It's what, it's what the psalmist says in Psalms 55, 22. He says, listen, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. I think so often the reason why we get pressure and we feel pressure to never withdraw from work, to never detach from our devices, to, um, you know, not schedule time for our spiritual growth and, and to not plan our priorities as we see fit is because we feel this pressure from the outside and this pressure of, well, if I don't do this, what might happen? If I can't do this on this time, what might happen? But listen, God says, when I call you to live your life according to my design, you're not doing it by yourself. I'm there with you. And I can give you the strength to do the right thing. And I can also work in your favor. And I can also be there to be the one who you give your worries to, you cast your cares upon. Listen, we don't have to navigate this tension of busyness all by ourselves. Jesus is a part of this with us. And when he directs us, he provides for us. And we've got to learn how to trust him. See, listen, Busyness can distract us from doing what matters most. Busyness is one of the, the distractions that keep us, if we're not careful, from, from being unable to hear the voice of God. That keeps us so, so not looking at him that we really aren't listening to what he has to say to us. But here's the takeaway I want to leave today. How can you, how can I, how can we turn down the noise of distraction? What's one of those practical steps that we can take? Listen, we might not be able to go from here to here, but if we can go from here to here, man, we've done a lot. We've made a difference in our life, in our relationships. And listen, we're gonna be a better person, a better employee, a better father, mother, friend, when we learn how to turn down the noise of busyness and distraction. Will you pray with me? Father God, I come to you in this moment and I thank you for your word. And God, my heart's full because your, your word, I believe, shares with us, God, things that can change our life. And God, it gives me hope to know that, that when the times in or I feel overwhelmed and I feel like I may be not making the right priorities, the right priorities, and I, I'm just struggling with this like, like, like we all do, that, God, I, I have hope because I know that you've got a better way. And, God, I know that you can give us the courage and the strength and the boldness to, to take the right steps, to, 
turn down the noise of distraction in our life, to turn down the, the busyness. But God, my heart's also, there's some stress there because I know it's gonna require some work, some sacrifice and some uncertainty. And so God, would you take the message that you've given us today and would you speak to us individually today as I know you're doing? And would you challenge us on those specific things that we need to do? How God, we can begin to live more focused. How we can turn down the distraction. God, we're gonna sing this song to you as a song of response today. And it's a song, God, where we declare that you are the one who rescues us. And it might be today, God, that we need you to rescue us from the distraction of busyness. We need to rescue from priorities that really don't need to be our priorities, from behaviors that aren't good for us. And so, God, we sing this song declaring to you who you are, what you can do. And God, we want to respond specifically to how you're calling us to today. God, we love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and sing the song with me?